Hi, everyone. Welcome to another week with the Tulsa World Opinion section. I am Jenny Graham, the editorial's editor. I am Bob Doucette, an editorial writer. And we've got a busy week, if not a uh, not a fun week, but a lot happening in Ukraine. The big story. And, you know, it finally happened. We were expecting it. Um, you know, we wrote an editorial this morning that... You know, we're basically calling on a one America that we've been so divided for so long that this does seem to be the moment that we can that we that our leaders are going to have to dissolve their their differences and realize we have this shared values of democracy that we at since World War II made promises to defend the European Union against this Russian communist encroachment and. Um, you know, I think that that's going to have to be a theme we come back to because it seems like we forget that we do have shared values. And and uh, what was interesting was, Bob, you're already working on a column about mm -hmm. Ukraine and what it means to America before the invasion. So, right. you know, what kind of hit the high, highlights of what's in your uh, Sunday column about, you know, sort of the, the, the two points you really wanted to hammer home? Well, the things that I was thinking about with this was when I wrote it is, I mean, I didn't want to get too big into the speculation of how a war would go down, but I did, because we're going to have a lot of that in the paper anyway, and a lot of that's on TV. So my thinking was, is how is this going to affect us here at home? So a few things that stuck out to me, just to go over really quick, and some of this is sort of like, yeah, we know this is coming, but uh, we're going to feel some pain from this, for sure. Um, we're going to feel it at the pump. Russia is a major producer of oil and gas. Um, the way the oil and gas market works is very global. And when you have a country who is now suddenly going to have trouble selling their stuff on the global market, which is very likely in the near future, um, that's going to put a pinch on supplies. And anytime you have a supply decrease or problems delivering it, prices go up. So you're going to feel that in your bills and you're going to feel that at the pump as if it wasn't already expensive enough as it is, well, you know, prepare for that. On the flip side with that, and I I look back when I wrote this, it's like, man, I hate to talk about like silver linings or whatever in light of what's happening to the Ukrainian people. But uh, I figured it, would, it was worth talking about just because of what an energy heavy state we are. If you're an oil and gas producer, um, $100 a barrel, $4 per, per unit in gas, stuff like that. If those prices go up, that's definitely going to benefit producers. And you're going to, we've already seen a trend of more drilling, more production domestically. Uh, even as prices have continued to increase, we're going to see more of that. So places that are going to be more marginal producers, they are going to, uh, those places are going to be profitable now. So you're going to see a lot more of that. People are crying for energy independence. Well, I don't know if we'll ever have that, but you're going to see a lot more domestic production. The second thing that I saw is, if you remember back in the spring, uh, we discovered a ransomware attack in the city of Tulsa. And it was largely attributed to a group called Conti, a Russia-based cybercrime group. Interesting thing about these cyber criminal groups is a, a lot of them are in Russia and a lot of them have the tacit approval of the Russian government to do what they do. And sometimes they are hired to do what they do, you know, to disrupt 
Western nations and other governments and other societies where they think they can find an advantage there. So I think we can see more uh, cyber criminal activity, more cyber warfare type of stuff, more hacking incidents happen here in the United States. I don't know how robust our defenses are, particularly things that are sensitive like power grids and stuff like that, but that risk just went way up, um, whether that comes from cyber criminal groups or the Russian government itself. We're gonna see more of that as they retaliate for the sanctions that are being levied on them now. And then the third thing that I think we're going to see, this is a kind of an offshoot of cyber warfare that goes into the information warfare side. Uh, the Russians have been extremely active in disinformation. That is something that goes back way back into the Soviet era, but now they have all kinds of new outlets to carry that out, particularly with social media, with television, and with internet news or propaganda sites and stuff like that. They have a lot of buttons that they can still push with that. So you're going to see a probably a heavier flood of not just disinformation, but things that make people mad, people that make things mad at each other, the type of divisiveness that we've seen through social media, um, through Facebook and Twitter and all the other social media platforms from the elections that we've had the last two big presidential elections, expect that to ramp up. So my caution with that for, and it has been for years, watch the sources of information where you take stuff in. You need to vet this stuff very closely because there's a lot of junk that's going to be coming our way and we're going to need to be wise in what we believe is true and what we know is going to be false. Well, and that's, um, and that's what I talk about a one America and yeah. there's already, you, you see, and I won't even say his name, but a conservative host that said he'd rather be a Russian than a Democrat. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, you know, this is, these are foreign yeah. agents who are bent on hurting us, harming our economy, harming our people and harming their people. And so, yeah. you know, I think that we have to sort of hold those people accountable that know that we have the these shared values and and the more that we and 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 it helps to divide people doesn't it i mean it's it's yeah. um you know enemies look for the weakness and if the weaknesses you know we're fighting over a, a book then that's what they're mm -hmm. going to seize on they're going to seize on those things and and so i i do think we need to be a lot more uh cautious but but also i have found that there are people since you know 2016 since that election that they're just tuning out yeah and there are some reports and I, our editorial on sunday talks about that which is so many people say i'm just not going to watch any news i'm just i'm just out and, and there's a harm with that too because if you don't you know the power then has unchecked power that if you're not willing yeah. to sort that out and just ask the question or or know where you're getting your sources then you're ignorant of not only what's happening internationally, but you're gonna stay ignorant of what's happening at your city council, at your school boards, at your county commission. And so I think that we have to encourage people to stay engaged, but mm -hmm. it's okay, but you know, question it, know where you're getting it. And, and you know, you people say they don't know what's facts. I think you can figure out what's facts. Oh yeah. Um, you know, this is a new phenomena and you know, 
and I think younger kids are better at it than older people. Like my kids are very discerning of what yeah, they sure can kids. be. They sure you know? can be. Um, yeah. So, you know, and this isn't this weird transition, but going back to Ukraine, my son turned 18 about a couple months ago. And this yeah. week he got a selective service forms. Mm-hmm. This is a kid who's never really paid much attention to new to you know international news. All of a sudden, he is all over this Ukraine story. Pay attention now. Oh, he's got friends who are going into the military, and he's been you know of course they all had the recruitment things, but he's real worried. I mean, he's like so he's asking questions. How how likely is the draft? How likely is this? And even though we're coming off a twenty year war, I think whenever anything new starts up, and it is it is exhausting that we can't have prolonged peace in the in the world yes but it does bring all that home that you know we're sending troops over to our to the nato territories not necessarily ukraine but i just have a feeling putin's in this for the long run and so we don't know what's going to happen but i do think there's a lot of need for those those stem jobs like you're talking about cyber warfare i think Mm. we need a lot more of our young people to go into that kind of work you know, cybersecurity and those kind of jobs, because I think that's where the next frontier of warfare lies. It's a big component of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am interested in seeing if we do come under more of that kind of a, an attack, a concerted effort against us. Uh, we have some things at our disposal that we've been pretty conservative with over the years, whether how that gets unleashed, if things get hotter, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Going back to what you were talking about into why people should be engaged, and this is the thing that's the theme that's been hitting me throughout the, the events of the last few days this week in Ukraine. Ukraine, for all its faults, mm-hmm. uh, is a democratic country, and they have a right to self-determination. And they are trying to model themselves to be a free society like us. Mm -hmm. And you have a bigger, stronger, more powerful neighbor saying, nope, we don't want you to do that. We want you to do what we told you to do. And we're willing to break your country over Iraq to to make that happen. And now we're starting to see threats uh, being levied against other countries that might be thinking about wanting to partner with NATO. So that was something that came out today is the Russian government basically warning Finland and Sweden, don't even think about going to NATO or there'll be military and other repercussions for you. Mm-hmm. What we're facing right now with this <clears throat> is we've had a plenty of wars over the years since World War II. Uh, sometimes very bloody ones, you know, Vietnam and Korea and such like that. Sometimes really long ones like Iraq and Afghanistan. But what we haven't had is the possibility of this great titanic struggle that you have right now in Europe. That's the big difference right now when it comes to war, is when you're talking about war in X part of the world, that's one thing. When you're talking about war in Europe, it's different. And the reason why it's different is because, you know, for starters, some really big economies in that area but the specter of the Cold War that has appeared again is the nuclear question. Mm-hmm. It's not just the Russians, it's not just us, but it's also the British and there are all the nuclear powers involved here. 
this is where it gets spooky and we have somebody who seems much more willing to exert his will through military power than any of us truly thought was possible. That's why we got to pay attention because this, this is, has to get resolved soon before it spins out of control. And that is why we need to be, to your point, more of a united country on this thing. We can't be fussing around with this junk anymore. There's real stuff happening right now, and we got to pay attention, and we got to come together. Well, and along those lines, we're losing a, a longtime voice in our congressional <laughs> delegation with a Senator Jim Mountain Inhofe is, and that is actually his middle name, uh, retiring. And learn something you know, new today. On, on, I think the same same day. And so he, uh, and I think it's just for personal reasons. He's he spent what thirty five years in in Congress and. Yeah. You know, and, and, and Senator Inhofe has been, uh, he certainly knows how to get attention, but I will say in defending him, he has been a highly effective advocate for Oklahoma. I, we would not have the highways and the infrastructure um, without him. I mean, he brings a lot of that highway money, infrastructure money home. I mean, we's, we can- the Military every, money too. Yes. I mean, he's- Whenever they had base closure- uh, he has definitely stuff saved like him. that. He was fighting his rear end off for Tinker and Altus and Vance. <laughs> he's been a he's been a huge uh, backer. I mean of of our of our economy. I mean I think that he has saved several of, of those bases from cuts and closures and all sorts of things. So, yep. uh, but in in the wake of any kind of big time re resignation like that, there's a scramble for who's gonna take the place and in the this morning he announced that he's backing his chief of staff luke holland who's not a, a, in public office but he's backing him in a special election to to replace him and interestingly that the timing of this is that we are going to have an election to replace them that this is not it used to be the new law went into place that we based on the, this timing we're going to have an election instead of a, instead of a governor's uh, yeah. appointment. And so mm -hmm. uh, the other names were mentioned. Now, Kevin Hearn, Congressman yeah. Kevin Hearn and Congressman Mark Wayne Mullen have both expressed interest in the past. Congressman Hearn certainly has the, the funding for mm -hmm. that kind of race. Um, yeah. Mark Wayne Mullen, you know, name, name recognition. recognition. And if that happens, then those open up congressional seats. I mean, it's, it's all this, this chessboard of, of things. And you have Senate, Senate President Pro Tem Greg Treat, and, and House Speaker Charles McCall that are both, I believe, term limited and looking I like they're, a job. Well, where's their next move? Yeah, I mean, Senator Treat certainly has been proposing some bills that indicate he's trying to mobilize the, the right base. Mm -hmm. So the question is, is there a Democrat who possibly could have a chance? I can't think of one. Ooh. Yeah, that's a... That's a really tall hill to climb right now for uh, for any Democrat in the state, for sure. Uh, it would seem, I mean, what I started thinking about this. It's like, all right, in a general election, who might show up on the Democratic side? And, you know, first I kind of went back to one of those old favorites with Drew Edmondson, but I have a feeling that's probably not going to happen. No. Uh, but one person that, that popped up uh, was uh, Kendra Horn. You know, the one, the person who lost her reelection bid at the 5th Congressional District to Stephanie Bice, 
Um, and then they quickly broke got, that that con congressional district up. Yeah, they, they we can't like, have we a purple want, district. We don't want to be Kendra again. Oh no, we can't have possibly have a another party get in there. Um, uh, one person I think who's definitely not going to be. <laughs> Abby Royals. Yeah. Yeah. Abby. She had some. She's had some Ooh. personal problems. Yeah, she's had a rough you know, go the last week or two. I know. You know, but going back to this idea of having someone on. One of the things the Republicans, when the Democrats had the, the supermajority that it had for decades, the Republican Party started making sure that every race had some, a Republican to vote for, that they ensured that there was, that voters had a choice, even if it was a long shot, didn't have a chance choice. The Republican Party during those times, at least when they started mobilizing power, um, they made sure there was someone to vote for. And I would hope that the Democrats are, are getting it together enough to do that, that it's important, even if it's a long shot, that it's important voters have a choice because there's nothing worse than not, not, you know, everything's being decided in the primary, you know, and, and then you're leaving yeah. out, you know, a, a fraction, you know, a portion of the, the state. And so I would hope that there's someone, even if it is a, a, a long, long shot, you well, know. they've got somebody who's who's running right now who, who plans to run against uh, James Lankford. Um, I was curious with, you know, with the people on the Republican side running against Lankford, if they might be thinking, hmm, instead of having the battle an incumbent, why not file for this seat and do that instead? Because uh, that would be a much easier path. Because, I mean, I mean, let's just be honest. No one's come out of the Republican field that's going to beat Lankford. It's not going to happen. Right. But if it's a wide open primary, that might change things a little bit, depending on who does it on the other side. I think you mentioned some pretty strong contenders. I think if, uh, you know, Mullen or Hearn, for sure, they've got all the name recognition and conservative cred that you could possibly want. Um, of course, getting the nod from your former boss, your current boss, if Luke Holland does that, that, that carries a little bit of weight. But I still gotta I still gotta think that an open primary might be a little bit of an easier road than uh, something like running against an incumbent. Mm -hmm. But it does there's a lot of fun little parlor games in the, in this. And of course with when Inhofe does retire, James Langford becomes the senior senator. Uh, that may possibly mean that more avenues for uh, advancement within the Senate GOP caucus rise for him. So he might become a big dog in the future, something more than just a voice that's out there. He might actually be carrying some real weight. And there's also, uh, you know, Mayor G.T. Bindham's in, in that mix, too, the name. And he's got a pack. He's got a pack. He's got um, a pack. He does have a pack. But as for municipal... <laughs> But um, races. Right? But you know, it's, it, you know, David Holt in Oklahoma City is very popular. But he he has uh, at one point he came in a few years ago to the Ed Board, and mm -hmm. we asked him what's your statewide. He said he would not. He, he's convinced he wouldn't win statewide because he's been a big critic of Donald Trump. And this yeah. was back when Donald Trump was serving, and he's I believe a Republican. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And so he's been one of the few Republicans that just it's not his not his thing. And so he said, and he was he's right because of that. In the rural areas where Trump experiences a lot of support in Oklahoma, he said, I, I wouldn't be able to win statewide. And he was just happy being the very popular Oklahoma City mayor. So 
So I'll I think- take a look at another thing with that too. What happened to the last Oklahoma City mayor who ran for a big statewide office? Exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, the rural areas still hold hold quite a bit of sway in that. So, um, and so in, in the spirit, we have the handshake debate. The, yeah. the, a couple of, of bad or a few uh, bad games where the handshake afterwards went wrong. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's been the big discussion in sports. And I think our ed board was pretty, pretty quick to say, no, we need to, we have so <laughs> much incivility already that we cannot get rid of these things that hopefully are, are, are our traditions of making sure there is good sportsmanship, that sports reflects so much of our culture that, you know, it's almost like we wish we could make the, the politicians at the end of the the race, go and hug it out, you know, like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what athletes are supposed to do. They're supposed to, you know, be good losers, you know, good game and go on. And there's a lesson there and we can't let go of that. We can't carve out more exceptions in our society to be mean to each other. I always figured that if you have something crop up, but it's not this huge thing and then you say okay we're gonna get this giant solution to this small problem you're doing it wrong mm -hmm. it's kind of like saying all right i need to i need to put this little tack hammer in the wall so i can hang my tiny little picture where's my 10 pound sledgehammer i'm gonna go get it mm -hmm. you know that's that's that kind of what it sounds like we're just nuking a tradition from orbit because right for, for something that it's not like it's, it's a widespread problem, but it's something I think sports can lead on to show, hey, yeah. um, you could you we have to be able to to lose gracefully in these things, you know. It's a teachable uh, moment. It's definitely, and I you know it reminds me of when uh, John Waldron, who's representative right now, ran against Dave Rader for the state senate seat, and the next day it was very it was a contentious election, but they're they behaved like you know gentlemen in the race but the next day after he lost to, to Dave Rader they went out to breakfast they had a selfie took a picture and said this is this is what statesmanship looks like and I just always that stuck with me and appreciated it because that was not happening at the time that you didn't yeah. see people of different parties coming together at the end and saying you know what good good race let's share a meal we'll talk about things and move on I mean I just mm -hmm. I, we need more of those moments. And I think that sports could remind us of that. Most definitely. Yeah. So, so we're back at the weekly topics that won't go away. You know, we talked about <laughs> sweating the small stuff. Mm. Man, do we sweat small stuff sometimes in Oklahoma. Yes, we um, do. But one of the things that, you know, I sort of, uh, one thing that's not so small, it's actually kind of serious, which is McGirt. McGirt doesn't go away. Mm. And, this week or last week, I believe, a couple, and it was inevitable that there would be a filing wanting to extend McGirt to taxation. Mm -hmm. That uh, McGirt <clears throat> itself, that Supreme Court ruling, just uh, addressed criminality. That instead of trying criminals in state court, we now try a certain number of criminals in federal and tribal. So now there's a question of, can that be extended to taxation? Because if the reservations were not disestablished, 
then why does the state have authority to tax? Which is an interesting question and it was inevitable to come up. Uh, but you know, <laughs> I went down, you go down these, these rabbit holes of, of legal opinions, but there are basically two remedies that have not really been tried. The, the state mm -hmm. has tried to overturn this since it was made two years ago and they just lost almost at every turn. Yep. So, but the two areas are congressional action and every single one of the rulings, both McGirt and all the ones that came before says, you know, in the absence of congressional direction, in the absence of Congress, which is basically saying, if you don't like our ruling, tell Congress to, to make a law. If you don't like our ruling, tell Congress to act. Mm -hmm. The other suggestion is compacting, mm -hmm. that the two nations, the state or the state government and the nation, two sovereign governments, can come together and make an agreement. And that's been done with tobacco. It's been done with, well, hunting and fishing before it, uh, governors did, uh, did away with that. And what compacts are, are just, it's, a, it's an agreement that we will allow you to do something in our sovereign nation and we will share in the revenue. It's what it is. And that's the other way we can do that. That's not really been done. And so I wrote a column basically pointing that out. Like, yeah. why can't we do that? Well, if you think about it, um, let's say, let's take a look at the state income tax proposal here, you know, what's being talked about. How hard would it be to make a compact between the tribe and the states where they both basically agree? It's like, yeah, you need the income tax of our tribal citizens to do stuff like, oh, build roads and provide highway patrol coverage and fix bridges and all the other stuff that, you know, keep schools going. Those are things that are mutually beneficial to the state and the tribes. I don't think that's that hard of a fix. Now, it does mean that we potentially have the possibility of having to do a lot of compacts. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, so yeah. uh, what's the problem here? Just do it. Right. And I think that's something that the tribes have been trying to hint at for a long time. It's like, okay, we've got this thing here and we, you know, we deserve our sovereignty that we were promised a long time ago, but we're willing to work with you, work with us. I think there's a willingness there to do that kind of a thing. Now, might there be some tribe, tribal government says, oh yeah, our my tribal citizens would love to not have to pay state income taxes. We're just not going to do that. That possibility exists, and that's kind of the wild west side of this thing. But overall, I think it's a much more compelling argument to come to the table and work out these issues. Now, if you do it with the congressional, I mean, that's kind of... It's sort never going to pass Congress. It's well, never, it's the I mean, nuclear it's been, option. Well, right? I think because you have to get all of Congress to, to pass it, and I don't see Congress, Congress members in other states going along with... No one wants to... No one wants to de-establish a, a reservation. I mean, that's 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 a... I don't see Congress doing that. So that's why I think compacting is the most natural yes. avenue. And, you know, one of the, um, it's interesting that, uh, and, and I see the state arguing, you know, tribal members in Oklahoma are also Oklahomans who are enjoying our roads and enjoying our public schools. So their argument is we want a fair and equitable system, but the, the tribal nations have sovereignty. And that's where I think they, they recognize their tribal members are also Oklahomans. And so leadership could 
leadership could happen if we could, you know, I wish we would see it, you know, sitting down. But an, another argument that has been made that for all of the complaints from the, the state officials about worries about taxation and paying, paying their fair share, this comes on the backdrop of our state leaders wanting to cut every tax available from groceries yeah. to income to, I mean, we are in a situation where I'm, I'm afraid we're going to cut back too much like we did before and end up in revenue failures. That, yep. And so the tribal leaders are rightly asking, why are you so quick to tax our citizens when you're wanting to not tax your own? So <laughs> there's, there is a legitimate question there to ask. Cuts that. for me, not for the Exactly. So, so I, I would hope that people would get cooler heads will prevail and say, you know what, we can show leadership rather than leaving that up to the judges. Because right now we're just, everything's being decided in federal court. And I just, and, and the state has not fared well there. So imagine you know. a world, stick with me here. Imagine a world where a commission is made to look at compacting to deal with the McGirt issue of non, you know, non-disestablished reservations in Oklahoma and how we might possibly work through these things one issue at a time, made up of state leaders and tribal leaders and other people who might have some knowledge in these things. Yes, yes, Whoa. Oklahoma, Oklahoma tribal issues, yes. And so the last issue that won't go away, Bob, book yes. banning. What is up with this book banning thing? John O'Connor, our attorney general, was going to investigate 50 books because he got complaints from the public who thought they were breaking obscenity laws, which means that they wanted to ban it for all Oklahomans, not just students, mm -hmm. all Oklahomans. And that included Mice of Mice and Men, uh, Lord of the Flies, Judy Bloom's Forever, Perks of a Wallflower. I mean, I, the, the titles were things that we, we recognize. Quite a few LGBTQ biographies, issues of race, and so he was going to investigate that for obscenity laws. And then um, a day later, he backed off after that was reported, saying that uh, there's a proposal in the legislature to deal with it and that people could go to their school boards or they could advocate their lawmakers to review the obscenity law or the definition of obscenity. Mm -hmm. now, and I'm just like, I can't almost with anymore. But the, the proposal he was talking about is a bad proposal. It's the one from Senator Standridge that would take away due process in schools. And it would, if passed, any parent who made a complaint about a book, that book without due process would be removed. And if the librarian within 30 days doesn't remove it, he or she is fired and the parents could sue the district for 10 grand a day for yeah. every day that's on. It's horrible. I mean, it's like, we depend on due process. Let's keep our due process systems in place. And the idea of the de definition of obscenity, right now when I was looking at the obscenity laws, they're kind of focused on child porn and uh, indecent exposure and things like that. So I don't know if we want to, you know, I don't know how much you want to broaden that, but it, it's it's a hit at the First Amendment. I mean, no matter how you look at it. It is. No, no society has come out well that bans books. Well, it's, there's, there's a ton of issues with this thing that I'm seeing. It's like we didn't learn anything from the whole Larry Flint episodes no. from years ago. And we, uh, 
you know, know, it's just, you know, you know, I started thinking, you know, cheekily, I started thinking about what is obscene and I always put toxic masculinity up there. And so I, (laughs) which if, if that is obscene, then I could get rid of Hemingway. We could get rid of the beat poets and my hated catcher of the rye. I fully admit I hate catcher of the rye. So we, you know, if toxic masculinity is obscene, we can get rid of that. So that, that's my pitch. Well, here's another yeah. thing that I that I looked in with this. Um, aside from these strong First Amendment arguments, and uh-huh. you know, why are we just going to homogenize our literature? <sighs> this whole ten thousand dollar thing. It's like every new law that comes up where they're trying to enforce some sort of morality on someone, it comes up with this, and if you don't do it. The snitch is going to get you for a $10,000 a day fine. Now, I am old enough to remember, and maybe you are too. We're about the same age. About the same age. So you yeah. probably can recall this fun little fact. Fun little political policy fact. That back in the day, the Republican Party, which rules our state, had a thing about this two-word term, frivolous lawsuits. We, our courts are jammed up with frivolous lawsuits, you know, hot coffee from McDonald's. Oh my gosh, someone lost a bunch of money and this and that, and people are suing for everything for it's costing businesses, it's costing this and costing that. And now we are basically giving an incentive to anybody out there who wants to get paid and you know stick it to whoever 10 grand how do we get here how did we get to this spot that's what i wanted what's up with this ten thousand dollar a day thing you know so it's it's in this you know, CRT stuff, it's in the abortion laws that are coming out. It's like in everything. It's like, you know, okay, why are we doing this? What's what's up with all of this litigation now? We're going to basically beat people in the submission with the courts. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Conservatives, wherefore art thou? Save us <laughs> from all of this frivolous lawsuit legislation that's getting ready to run us over help help. i know well you know usually at this point we're we're lightening up the conversation and we come up with something fun and i don't know if either of us are in a fun mood right now we've got got wars we've got book banning we've got you know handshake problems i mean you know just the world is just doesn't seem bleak so i'm sure next week will be better Right. I'll throw I'll throw a few things at you. Um, it's getting warmer outside. There you go. Next week looks really spring-like and nice, at least for a few days. Be slushy with the mud, but okay. A little bit, yeah, but it'll dry out. It'll get okay. windy and it'll dry out. Um, there are, and from my world, mm-hmm. uh, new trails have opened up at Turkey Mountain that are very nice. You should go visit them when they're not muddy. And March Madness is coming. It's true. March I gotta Madness get my, is coming. I, I love doing a bracket. I pay no attention to basketball, and I love the bracket season. Bracketology is upon us all. So those are some things we can look forward to. 
as uh, to keep our minds off the pending doom from World War III and lingering pandemic and lawsuits, book banning, and and you know what? And Mark Mendes, I bet they shake hands. They will. They will shake hands, and that will and I will praise that. So, there so on go. that, I think we're going to end this for this week. And thank everybody for uh, listening. And be sure to email us, send us letters, send us op-ed ideas, uh, submissions. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know what you want us to talk about as well, because we'll pretty much talk about anything. And follow so, uh, Tulsa World on Facebook and Twitter. Exactly. And you can follow Tulsa World Opinion on Twitter as well. All right. With that, we'll talk next week. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye.